Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Jody Mack joins us. Jody McDonald, my friend, I, welcome back. Great to have you back. My pleasure. And that insurance company you just did the commercial for sounded good. Pretty Purdy. Oh, that wasn't Purdy with the Sixers laid on the floor of the Boston Tiki oh. Garden yesterday, was it, Steve? No, it was not. And as I pointed out, the last five quarters that the Sixers played, they scored 101 points. And in the last five quarters, Jason Tatum scored 67. Yeah, he dominated. And he rose to the challenge and came up huge. The Sixers did not. And even at that, you, you, you decided to go over five quarters. I felt okay at halftime. When they were down three points, they had the yeah. lead in the first quarter. They hung tough. They scored 26 points in the last two quarters. That's one quarter of NBA basketball. They scored yeah. it over two quarters of NBA basketball. That's just a complete no-show and collapse. And, yeah, there's got to be massive repercussions off that disastrous final half of the season. Uh, no, I mean, there's no question about that. It has to. Here's my question on Joel Embiid. Great individual player, right? To say anything less, you'd be foolish. Right? But does he make other, does he make the other guys better? He makes the team better, but does he make other guys better? No, but he's not the first player to ever be like right. that who's I know. just a solo act. And if you're waiting for Joel Embiid to become a facilitator, if you want to critique him and say he's been in the league for X amount of years and he's still a pretty bad passer, I think that's fair. But I yes. think his game is his game is his game, and it was good enough to get him the MVP. What no he needs is he needs another killer and finisher to play next to him. Was Jimmy Butler that guy? Maybe in the Sixers might have made a mistake by prioritizing Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. James Harden is not that guy. Those that they've tried to make that dual threat with Embiid have failed, and that's still what they've got to accomplish here during this offseason. If they're not going to go to process two and trade Embiid, well, then they have to find that complementary star who can finish games to play alongside uh, along Embiid, along his side, excuse me. Uh, and I don't know how you go about doing that. It's, it's easier for you and I to say it here on the air yeah. than it is actually sure. to get it done, but that's what the Sixers have to do. No question. There's only one team wins. I mean, and the whole thing. Uh, but you're seeing now, when I look at him, I see regular seasons that are special, but I've seen him go through six playoff years, and only one time has he shot over 50% from the field in a playoff year. That's not going to get it done. That's why you need the second option on the night where Embiid isn't doing yep. well. And he had some very good playoff games, but he had some yep. mediocre playoff games and some god-awful yesterday playoff games. On those days, you have to have option B. And the Sixers haven't had that during the entire bead run. So, what would you what would you recommend? Do you recommend they acquire somebody else to go with them? Do you do you say it's a strip down? Do you change coaches? What do you think? To me, if we're talking, and everybody's got different definitions of different words, you just use the word strip down. Strip down to me equates to process, and that means trading Embiid, trading, letting Maxi walk. 
uh, trying to see if someone will take Tobias Harris, even though you'll get very little in return. He is yeah. tradable because he's on the last year of a contract, but you're going to get next to nothing for him, and you're just looking to clear salary cap space. That would be a takedown. Go back to process-like levels of bad and then try and rebuild it back up. Or you keep Embiid. Maybe you have to move Maxi to get that other guy, Dame Lillard or someone along those lines who can be a killer at the end of games. Mm -hmm. And you give it uh, one more role with Embiid. Uh, those are the two directions you have to go. It's got to be either one or the other, all the way down to the studs, or whatever assets you have to be able to get that one A star next to Joel. Because he's twenty nine, and I I see the window with him two to three years realistically. Yep. All right, and so you've got to. I think that's a that's the tough decision that you have to make in this league. Um, what about Doc? I think Doc's a dead man walking. And of the reasons that I would say they lost yesterday, lost the series, lost again in the second round, Doc is down the list. He's not at the top of the list. But as we've seen in the NBA this offseason, my God, uh, Boone Holes are two years removed from an NBA championship. See ya. Nick Nurse, three years removed from an NBA championship. See ya. Mm -hmm. Monty Williams, the coach of the year in the NBA last year. Mm -hmm. They go out, turn over the team at the trade deadline, bring in Kevin Durant, shed all the depth that they have, and when they lose, see ya. All these coaches have better resumes than Doc Rivers in Philadelphia. How does Doc Rivers keep his job before all these other guys are given their Walker papers? And I agree with you. He's not like I'm not sitting there in the office going, "There's the problem." I'm I'm with you. I mean, he's he's down the list, uh, yep. and and that's a big. And you know what really hurts when I look at this, for from a Sixers point of view, is the Celtics are a really talented team. I mean, Tatum and Brown and you know and Malcolm Brogdon and so forth. But the Celtics are not a smart team. They make a lot of plays where you sit back and go, where was that pass supposed to go? And the Sixers couldn't take advantage of that, and that would irk me more than anything else. Yeah, I think we saw it in the playoffs for in the first round against Atlanta. They had their foot on their throat and let them come yeah. back and force a game six. And yeah. the same thing with the Sixers after uh, Boston wins game two and game three. They could have put the Sixers away by winning game four. They didn't. It goes all the way to seven. So you're right. The Celtics are an imperfect team, but there is no perfect team in the NBA right now. They might be the best yeah. of the imperfect lot. And we'll find out. Yeah. How much have you watched of the Lakers lately? Plenty. Um, I'm up. I'm on the air uh, a bunch of nights. Oh, good. So, okay. uh, I'm on the air while the late-night games are being played, so I get to see them plenty. Um, there's a guy who needs to get some credit, Rob Palenka, their general manager. Didn't yeah. know what he's going to be able to do with the trade deadline. you got your two superstars. They have what the Sixers don't have, which is an A and a B superstar. Um, yeah. LeBron and uh, Kate and uh, Dave, Anthony Davis, Davis are playing great together. But they needed some other pieces around them. Not major contributors, just guys to do their job and fill a role and darn it, Palinka didn't go out and get those guys for him at the trade deadline. Yeah, especially Hachimura. I think Hachimura has stepped in and quietly just been a pro's pro and has played really well for them. What do you think? Yep, 
Oh, coming off the bench. Uh, There are a lot of things that have changed in the NBA. I've only been watching it 50 years. Um, One thing that hasn't changed (laughs) is coming off the bench has always been a key. Going back to John Havlicek, which is almost 50 years ago, um, that key six-man role, change the tempo of the game, go in against the other team's second unit, be able to dominate. Yeah, Hachimura is a perfect off-the-bench instant offense, change the tempo of the game type guy for the Lakers. And Malcolm Brogdon is the Celtics version of John Havlicek today, so that's, you know... So and that, who, is that, that the, who is that for the 76ers? Bang Bang George Niang, who once every no. four or five games could have it going and be a guy who lifts the team, and the other four of those five games, he's a defensive liability who can't get open from three. I maintain that Tobias Harris, who starts for the Sixers, would not be in the Celtics' rotation. Uh, he wouldn't be the first or second guy off the bench. You might be right about that. More like number eight. Uh, that's that's an issue. That's a problem. Yeah. And I oftentimes defend Tobias because I think everybody judges him purely by his contract. And you have to. In a cap league, you can't sure. just blow that off. So I readily admit he's overpaid. But he's not a bad player. He's a good player. He's borderline a very good player. When you're making max money, you're supposed to be a great player. And he's never been great in his career. All right, so in those late nights when you're watching, what do you thought of Denver? Now that they have Jamal Murray back, what do you think of Denver? Here's where I'm going to give the the Nuggets a whole bunch of credit, at least what they've done here in the postseason this year. Uh, They had the best home record in the NBA. And people say it's very difficult to play at altitude. A lot of teams, when they're doing their load management computing, they'll say, well, we'll just give them off the Denver game to begin with uh, because we're going to sit them X amount of games. We might as well give them a game off where it's going to be difficult for them to play anyway. And I think that contributed to their outstanding home record. Well, we're in the playoffs now. So you're playing back-to-back games. So you're in that uh, altitude for three days. It shouldn't be near as big a factor anymore, yet it continues to be. They're 6-0 in the playoffs at home. That's, that's more than just altitude. That's the fact that they're a damn good team. And I, To me, I mean, Jokic is Jokic. But when they got Murray back, who had to sit out almost all last season with the ACL, it really changed the dynamics of that team. And brought them back to at least to a level where I think they can they they can go toe to toe with the Lakers and we'll find out. Yeah, he's a legit number two star. They have yeah. two stars. The Lakers have two stars. Whose two yeah. stars will turn out to be best? We'll see. Maybe they push, and it comes down to everybody else in that series. But uh, the the Lakers are going to have to. They know they're on the road, so they're going to have to go in and win in that building at least once. Nobody has so far in the playoffs. We'll see if LeBron and uh, Davis can pull that off. Jody, you're one of the best when it comes to you're one of the best at almost everything I talked to you about, but one of the best when it comes to horse racing. The Preakness is coming up this weekend. Any sneak peek in, in your mind as to what we're we could see? Because it's it's well, to me this is another unpredictable one. We'll find out in about two hours. Uh, less than that now, five thirty is the post position draw. It's going to be a short field, Steve. If if your uh, listeners are out there looking to make a killing because uh, the Triple Crown races are big paying races, this one's not going to be. It's going to be either eight or nine horses compared to what was supposed to be 20 at the Derby, which turned out to be 18 because of all of the defections late. Um, it's going to be a small field. The Kentucky Derby winner is the only horse that's coming from the Derby Mage, and I think he's going to be 
six to five or seven to five in here, and he's going to be tough to beat. I'll take a shot. The the horse that I am very interested to see what his morning line odds will be. They'll post that after they pick the post positions in a couple hours. Red Route One is a horse that won a qualifying race for the Kentucky Derby down in Arkansas at Oaklawn uh, called the Bathhouse Row Stakes. Off the yep. pace, tremendous kick. Um, has not faced the likes of uh, the uh, uh, Kentucky Derby winner like Mage. Uh, but if he's more than 10 to 1, I think he's absolutely a play. Mm. Uh, that's the only one in the field right now that I'm thinking can beat the Kentucky Derby winner. The only issue I have with Mage is this. Lightly raced and coming back in two weeks. Correct, and has never done that before, and that's why they yeah. call the new entries the new shooters. Usually, yeah. it's played about fifty-fifty <laughs> in the uh, derby field uh, going forward to the Preakness. You get six or seven horses coming out of the uh, derby, six or seven new shooters. This time, it's going to be eight to one. No new shooters over. The only yeah. derby horse that's coming is Mage. You're right; he's the only one who's going to have to come back off two weeks and. That's why you'll probably be well advised to take a shot to try and beat him because I don't know that you want to be playing him at six to five. Had to slip it in. You're too good at it. That's why. Hey, <laughs> no problem, bud. My pleasure, Steve. Anytime Thanks, you need me, buddy. You bet. Thanks, pal. You got. It.